So welcome to another episode of the Wildlife Podcast. This episode, we're going to be talking about what to do if you find orphaned animals or animals in need. We're coming into orphan season, and this is typically the busiest and most challenging time for people in animal rescue. What we need is for the general public to be as informed as possible about what they can do to help animals. And if you're listening to this, you probably want to know. Anyway, um, and then we're going to talk about a response to some of the questions that um, have come in about the Netflix documentary Tiger King. People have asked for my opinion on that. But first, I'm going to chat about orphaned animals. Like you're, like at this time of year, you're going to have a lot of, well, we'll be coming into baby birds, lots of fox cubs, pine marten kits. There'll be leverets that people will be finding. Um, and we'll eventually come into a period where we've got baby deers. And so it's worth having a conversation now about all those things so you can respond as best as you possibly can. Now, the same information applies actually to any time you find an animal in need. But I'm going to chat to you about that today. And hopefully you'll come out of here knowing exactly what to do if you find an animal in need. So let's dive in. Okay, so there's generally two places where animal rescues occur to put it in its most simple terms you'll either be out on a walk <clears throat> you could be out hiking you could be wherever going out for you know walking the dog we get a lot of calls from there or in your garden that's generally the two things either at home or outside i mean i know that's kind of self-evidently true but the way you respond i mean it's largely the same but there's a few different considerations let's say so you're out in your walk where you look out into your garden, you see an animal that looks like it's in need. It could be young, it could be injured, it could be both. Maybe it's just an animal you haven't seen in your garden before and you think that's a bit strange. Regardless of the type of animal, uh, if it's injured or if you don't know what's wrong with it, regardless, your first actions when it comes to animal rescue are always the same. And it doesn't matter if you're an expert rescuer or you've never dealt with a wild animal before. Your first steps are always the same, okay? First thing you do is you stop and you make everything safe. That means stop. Look around for a second. If you've got a dog on a walk, you immediately get it on a lead. I can't stress that enough. If you're at home, you immediately get your dog into your house and you lock the door. Now I can go into all kinds of horror stories, but you can imagine what happens when a dog meets an injured animal or an orphaned lever, the baby hare. You don't really want to think about that, okay? So get your dog under control immediately. Likewise, if you've got kids, get them under control immediately. It's a great opportunity for them to learn about rescue, about 999, same kind of behavior as if there was a car accident. They need stand back, stay behind me, but you know, you, stay behind you. And then we move on to our next steps. But we need to, first of all, make sure that we don't increase the danger and the injuries. We also need to make sure that we don't scare away the animal. As I've said before, in wildlife, you get one chance at these things. If you approach the animal or scare it away, that could be it. It just goes and dies under a hedge somewhere. So we want to try and make sure that that doesn't happen. So if it's in your garden, what you might do is you might walk out the front door, walk around your side passage and make sure that the gate is closed. Or if there's a way out from underneath the gate, you might just block that off. You can always remove it later if the animal doesn't need any help, but just temporarily. Essentially, what we were thinking of doing is that we're trying to try and catch the animal in that garden. If you're not at home, if you're in a park or somewhere, that's no problem. We're going to have to deal with things a little slightly differently. But your first steps are the same. Make it safe. Make it controlled as possible. 
take all the kind of unknown variables away. That be other pets, other animals, kids, any of that kind of stuff. Try and try and uh, offset against that. The next thing then that you're going to do is you're going to take out your phone. I need two videos from you. The first is of the animal. Video is better than photos. If the animal has a limp or something like that, if the animal is exhibiting some sort of behavior that, you, that is causing you to be concerned, well, we need to see video of that so we can make an assessment. It also tells us, you know, if a fox is a, has a limp, it still doesn't mean I can just walk over and pick it up. We might need to get a trap. So there's a whole lot of things that we're going to need to consider. So get a video of the animal moving. The second video that I need is video of the situation. So if it's your back garden, I want to see a video all of the back garden so I can see the side passage, how high the walls are. Is there a hedge with loads of holes in it? So by the time I get there, the fox is definitely going to be gone. If it's outdoors, if you're in a park somewhere, video of maybe coming, you know, from where you came, follow down along the path to where the animal is. If there's a river behind it or a bush or something like that, it can feature in. Give us an idea of the situation we're going to be facing. Do we need to bring five people to this rescue? Is it rescue a swan from a small, narrow back garden? No problem. Is it rescue a swan where it's just going to go straight onto a lake where we're going to need to get kayaks and all kinds of things to catch it? We need to know the situation as much as we need to know the animal. So they're your, your first steps. Secure everything. Make sure it's as safe as possible, that there's no variables. Take away dogs or kids. And then take two videos, the animal and the situation. Step number three, very important. Also on your phone, go onto Google Maps and find out exactly where you are. What we'd like is a pinpoint of the location. So if you can use Google Maps to share your location or save your location, do that. If not, use WhatsApp to send your location to a friend and just say, listen, I need to send you my location real quick. I, you know, I'll tell you about it later or something like that. It just means that there's a location there that can be forwarded onto rescuers. What will happen is, someone will say, do you know the park? And the rescuer will say, I do, yeah. And they say, well, you go in the main gate. And right there, there's an assumption that we're both talking about the same main gate. And oftentimes we're not. Or they'll say, you go across the bridge and turn right. And in my mind, I'm thinking about crossing the bridge from one side and you're thinking about coming from the other side. And we're totally lost. Even addresses, they're not necessarily always particularly helpful. What we really, really want is an exact location on Google Maps because what rescuers will do is we'll use Google Maps to have a look at the situation again. We'll look and go, oh, look, there's that river down along the back. That's obviously where it came from. Or we can assess, let's say it's an orphan. Well, we can assess on the map whether it's close enough to nature. Let's say it was a, a, a deer, an orphaned deer. We could say, oh, you know, and actually there is access there. Maybe the parent is just coming and going as they do. So we need that map location, not just your best intention. And I understand that they're going to be best intention directions. Directions are very, very difficult to follow. And if you don't believe me, think about this. The responder that you send the information to or give the information to is going to be like the dispatcher for the ambulance driver. They're going to send it down to the ambulance driver who's never going to have heard those directions. They're just going to get a synopsis of those directions. And maybe they're going to get in touch with you to try and find out. But then, you know, you're cooking dinner at this stage and you're long gone from the scene and we're now out there trying to find it and you're not really able to answer and we're all confused. 
So what we want to do is what you want to think is you think, can you give this information, the two videos and the location, and then some details about the, the case, where you were, when, what time of day, all that kind of stuff. When you send that to a rehab, to a rescue, could it be sent on to somebody else and sent on to somebody else and could they do the rescue themselves? Okay, that's the gold standard, if you like. I know this is not always possible. I know from my experience doing rescue, your phone will definitely be running out of battery. You won't have any data, so you won't be able to send stuff. Your camera roll will be filled. Your phone, there's no space in your phone for videos or photos. We face all these challenges too, but still, this is the gold standard that you should be trying to get to, okay? Then what I would suggest the next thing is you try and find your local wildlife expert, okay? So to do that, what I would recommend you do is you go into irishwildlifematters.ie, irishwildlifematters.ie, and on that website, you will find, first of all, information that you might use. So you might click on deer to get some information about deer. You might click on, you know, you found a bat. You might, you might do that. But before you do that, what I would recommend you do is find your local wildlife rescue, get in touch and send them the videos and the location immediately. Now, the reason I would say that you do that is because they're going to be all run by volunteers. So they're going to need to get people together to go and do this rescue. So the sooner somebody gets the information that there's a rescue nearby, they can start doing what they need to. They can start, you know, wrapping up dinner. They can make alternative arrangements. They can, you know, reorganize whatever it is that they're currently busily doing and start thinking about getting ready to go and do that rescue. At the same time, they might get back to you and say, that animal doesn't need any help. That's fine, just please leave out some water or leave out some food or make sure the animal stays safe and nobody disturbs it, but the, but the parent will come along and help or whatever it's gonna be. Good news. If you wanna get that news early before you go on a big excursion trying to figure out what's going on. So find out who they are, get in touch with them and send them that information immediately. Then, same time because they might not be able to help because they may not have anybody free you can use the same website irishwildlifematters.ie to figure out what the animal is because they will always be misidentified it's, it's just i misidentify animals all the time it's very difficult to do you got to try and figure out what the animal is figure out how old it is does it really need help does it not okay but even if you think, yes, it does need help, you are still going to prefer getting a second opinion from an expert. So, you know, let them respond if you can. Best case scenario, they say, don't worry about it, the animal's fine. Okay? Then you're going to need to figure out, and the information is there on that website, but you're going to need to figure out, does the animal need to be rescued? So at this time of year, what we're going to have is we're going to have tons of orphans being discovered. And people will think, oh God, this little baby bird on the ground here, it needs to be helped. And maybe it does and maybe it doesn't. Similarly, people will find baby rabbits in the grass and they're probably baby leverets, which are, well, baby hares. They may not need help. Fox cubs also may or may not need help at this time of year. So if it's simply orphaned, it's hard to know. Is it in additional danger? If it's just an orphan, if it's just there by itself, if it's simply orphaned, you've got to make sure that you know the parents are not around because the parents have to, of course, leave their, their, their cubs 
or their fledglings or nestlings, they have to leave them in order to go and get food and come back. And maybe that's just what's happening. But you need to check, are they injured? Is there more danger? It might be, if it's, let's say it's a fledgling that's on the ground, is there cats? You know your garden's filled with cats. So you might need to check about whether or not that needs to be rescued. Now, if you'd like to attend an induction day or a training day or a first responding for wildlife day, get in touch and let me know. We run induction days and various levels of training for our volunteers. And Wildlife Rehabilitation Ireland run a series of courses as well. And get online, find out where they are locally. But if you'd like to attend an online training course, not to become a volunteer for any particular organization, just so you know what to do if you find an animal in need, where we could do it through video conferencing and you could ask questions and we could give answers. If you'd like to attend that in exchange for a donation to the wildlife charities, that'd be super. Um, let me know and we can put it together. Thanks a lot, bye. Okay, so, In so orphan season, what animals might need help or might need care? Baby birds, okay, and, and the way to tell that these are baby birds that need your help, if they've got fluffy feathers, okay? Um, that means that they're, they're young, they're not gonna be able to fly, so they might need some help. So these are called nestlings or fledglings. We don't need to go into the, the, the specific kind of definitions of these things. Any small animal that you see, if it's not in danger, you're going to assume that the parents are around. Keep an eye on it from a distance and make sure that the parents are around. With birds, you'll see them flocking around, flying around, maybe coming in to feed the bird. If it's a nestling, if it's super young and it shouldn't be out of the nest, it'd be good to return it to the nest. Maybe it's a little bit older. If it's on the ground, you know, you could return it up onto a roof, maybe the shed of a roof, the garage roof, something like that. But again, best thing, contact your wildlife rehab. What about fox cubs? Well, before we get to fox cubs, let's talk about lactating vixens. Same thing goes for badgers, I suppose. But what you could find is you could find a dead fox. If you do, please check and see if it is a lactating vixen, okay? Again, the best way to diagnose that is to get a really good video or, and send that to an expert. We're going to need the exact location, and maybe in this case you do have some local knowledge where you know that there is maybe a shed nearby or a deck in somebody's garden that the foxes live under. Information like that would be very useful because if it's a lactating vixen, that means there are orphaned cubs that are going to need our help. So they'll get in touch with the wildlife rescue there. Um, However, if you see fox cubs just playing around, if they're healthy and fine, you can always leave out some food. There's no harm ever in doing that. Um, but leave it to the mother. If you find in the grass a little bunny rabbit, well, it's probably a leveret, and that's where it should be. What, what hares do is they hide their babies in long grass, they go off and they do their thing and they come back and they will then nurse the, the babies then. So it's okay in that instance. Again, best thing, second opinion from an expert. If you do need to pick up any of these animals, maybe the, the wildlife rescue tells you what to do. A towel, really good idea in order to just cover the animal and pick it up. For example, if you're gonna pick up a nestling or a fledgling bird, drape a towel nice and lightly over them. A dark towel is good, keep them calm. 
and then put them up on somewhere high if it's safe for you to do and it's going to be safe for them to do so if there's any visible injuries any sign of blood any crusty eyes any fluid leaking out of any of the the, the face or ears or anus or anything like that the animal needs our help almost certainly so it'd be really good for you to get photos get video but pick that animal up pop it into a cardboard box maybe with some holes punched in it for air make sure the animal doesn't get too hot and transport it to your local vet the first thing is to go to your local vet uh, while you're going to your vet be chatting to the local wildlife rescue they might have some advice about a specific vet that's better than another but oftentimes what will happen is a vet will get in touch with your local wildlife rescue so start communicating as early as you possibly can that's what i would say that's the big message start communicating early the other thing bit of advice i'd like to give people about animal rescue it's a bit like any type of rescue now i know when you find an animal that is in need you go into full panic stations believe me i've been there and it still happens you get a full-on response where your body's going okay i need to focus i need to do whatever but a lot of people don't cope very well with that and you're not going to be much help to an animal if you're in a panic so remain calm just chill out and know that you're going to do the best thing you can for this animal okay and then get in touch remain calm start communicating that's that's the big lesson i would say in all of this and i know i go on about it all the time but Picking up litter or cleaning up litter is so crucial to helping wildlife. And I'm going to give you an example because it ties in with a question that I was asked about. There's um, one of the pictures to do with this podcast is of a little fox cub. And he has something around his neck. And some people have asked what that is and what's the story with him and all the rest. So that fox we called Suv, meaning like jam in Irish. And... What happened was, Suv was a little fox cub in the back garden um, up in Sandyford in Dublin and he put his head into a glass jar and then that glass jar broke and he had like a collar of broken glass around his neck, uh, which is pretty horrific to see and really, really sad. We got some photographs of the back garden and we went down to see if we could help a volunteer of ours, I think I've mentioned her before, um, Sasha she came down and set the trap and he didn't really go in suv also had you know what three four brothers and sisters a mother possibly a father so setting a trap is a kind of a low percentage thing uh they're not great they don't work super well when you've got lots of different animals and you've got every cat in the neighborhood you've got magpies and crows and stuff will go into these traps they are humane traps i should say the animal goes in goes to the back of the trap trips a step and that shuts the door behind the behind the animal they're not super reliable catching wildlife is really really difficult that's just the simple facts so i went back to have a look at the trap you need somebody to watch the trap and again we were kind of challenged by neighbors who wanted the foxes dead and thinks they shouldn't have been there there was no proper wall between between three back gardens and there was a giant i don't know probably 20 feet in diameter pile of um kind of like compost and branches and stuff just like a little fox village so we knew catching this fox was going to be super difficult i rooted around anyway that little fox village and i found like one of the fox toys so they had stolen a toy from somewhere a little hippo 
There's photographs of this on the Instagram. And I reset the trap with the fox toy inside it. And I put some grass down on the bottom of the trap. You know, you start to try and do things with traps to make them more effective. And we figured out ways to do that, but they're still not high percentage. I left. And within an hour, we had a report that there was a fox in the trap. And of course, we know we're going to go back. It's not going to be the right fox. We're going to reset the trap, all that kind of stuff. But in this instance, Sasha went back and it was Suve. And she picked him up and brought him straight to the vet. They took the glass off his neck. They took some ticks off him because obviously he was compromised because of this. Fed him up, gave him some fluids. And kind of within a couple of hours, he was back where he should have been with his family, uh, having a nice life. And now he was carefree without that glass collar around his neck. But there's just another example well, okay, let me say it a different way. There is an example of a successful case of us dealing with litter. There's many, many more cases where we don't successfully deal with them. There's the amount of types of birds that I've tried to get. <laughs> I know I keep going on about it, I'm sorry. But litter is a killer when it comes to wild animals. So please be responsible about disposing of litter and, and please clean up after yourself. The other thing then to talk about today is the very topical clickbaity um, topic of Tiger King. So aside from being a very, very entertaining television program and generating tons of brilliant memes, I do want to chat about Tiger King in relation to wildlife and kind of there, there are good, valuable lessons. I remember a while ago I heard that you can judge a zoo on whether or not the car park is bigger than the animal space. Now, there's a difference between zoos and sanctuaries. Sanctuaries, as a general rule, if they're dealing with wild animals, are not going to allow people visit. I'm certainly not going to allow them to go and see the animals. Definitely not in a way where the animals can see the visitors. If the animals are able to see you looking at them, that's not a way for wild animals to live. So, now there's sanctuaries then. I'm a huge supporter of the donkey sanctuary, I love it. Donkeys are a very different type of animal. They're not wild animals. And as such, I think it's probably quite safe to have them hanging out and you can look at them and they've got plenty of space and they come up to you for scratches and all the rest. Wild animals, predatory wild animals like big cats, it's definitely not appropriate for them to be in a situation where they can see people looking at them. Now, we all know that really, ultimately, don't we? If we know about animals, we think about them, we go, yeah, listen, they shouldn't be caged up. Certainly the idea that you breed animals that aren't endangered. So, okay, maybe there's an argument to be made that if a zoo is breeding endangered animals, that's serving an important function. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if that function then extends to displaying those animals. But then... Some people would say, well, they have to fund it somehow and the end justifies the means and all the rest of it. So I don't think we even need to get into those topics to talk about the broad stroke facts. And they're this. Anywhere animals are being bred, animals are being killed. And the idea that Joe Exotic was getting nicked for killing tigers, to me, is insane because, of course, he was killing tigers. If you breed tigers... Like, when we hear those stories about a bag of kittens being thrown into a river, like, who's doing that? Breeders are doing that. Um, greyhounds being killed. Bre okay. <laughs> Horse racing 
you watch Cheltenham every year, horses are getting shot and killed. To be taken out of their misery, but who, like, the idea that Joe Exotic has, has bred thousands of big cats and is being nicked for killing a few of them seems bizarre to me because he must have killed hundreds. And the same thing with the, the other guy, Doc Antle or whatever, who is euthanizing cats. That's what happens when you are using wildlife for profit. It'll be happening in zoos, it'll be happening in circuses. Wildlife for profit equals animal abuse. End of story. And even beyond wildlife, we all know the people who breed dogs, puppy farms in Ireland, same thing. Where animals are used for profit, cruelty happens. If you're buying bred dogs in Ireland, if you're going on to Dundee and buying puppies, you're, you're supporting an industry of cruelty. There's plenty of animals out there that need to be rescued. Plenty of animals filling sanctuaries, uh, all your different charities. Do you know what I mean? That's the rule. So I suppose with, with Joe Exotic, it just my response is nobody should be surprised that, that cruelty was going on there. There is a valuable lesson in that it appears that he started off with very good intentions. And then in order to feed the animals that he wanted to care for, he needed to pay for that. It was very expensive. And so he went about letting people come in to see the animals. And I think that's a slippery slope that anybody could fall into. Thanks a million for listening. This has been the International Earth Day edition of the Wildlife Podcast. I hope it was useful and I hope you feel like you can be a little bit more confident about what to do your first steps when it comes to helping an animal in need please share please like leave leave a review and if there's things that you think i I should change or do differently i'd love to hear that it's really really helpful for me thanks man take care now bye bye